2: Mets fans, welcome to the latest installment of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation, New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. This is our all-star break edition, which means that it's a little bit shorter and not quite as robust as the usual show, just kind of like your week is not as full and robustly baseball-y. I don't know. I didn't really plan that sentence out as well as I thought I did. Anyway, we're still going to have a couple of segments, though, and first up, Chris McShane and I talk about... The first half the Mets had, the Matt Harvey injury, and a bit more. So, enjoy. We are here to talk about Mets baseball on one of the few nights that we can't be watching Mets baseball. We are in the first day of the recently elongated All-Star break. No no regular baseball that counts till Friday. Tonight's the Home Run Derby, which is one of my guilty pleasures. Do you uh, enjoy the Home Run Derby, Chris, or no?
0: It varies a little bit. You know, it, it was... Uh... It was sort of an odd moment. I got to be there in person at City Field when they had it uh, there. And Cespedes puts on a show, especially early in that Home Run Derby. Uh, But being there in person was actually sort of a letdown. It's such a made-for-TV event. Right. That there are just so many long commercial breaks that, you know, I'm not one to complain about the length of an actual baseball game. Mm -hmm. But at home, you can get up. You can you know maybe make dinner as you're watching or do things in the in those commercial breaks use the bathroom in a non-stadium setting you know <laughs> yeah that sort of stuff where it just sort of can be a casual thing but when you're there in person it was similar to being at like a football game in person right where you're just going like all right i guess we're all just standing here <laughs>
2: See, I, uh, I was a huge Ken Griffey Jr. fan growing up. So I was at like the perfect age to enjoy the home run derby when he would just put on, you know, Clinics the home run derby each year. And so I've I've retained a little bit of that love. I hate the broadcast. I think it's pretty dumb, but for some reason I can't stop watching it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it sort of as the spectacle of just, you know, here's some dudes hitting baseball really, really far. Yeah. So like that that Cespedes performance stands out and you know certainly a lot of guys Griffey and plenty of other guys along the way I remember the ones Jeff Bagwell was always my favorite Mm non-met uh so I remember watching him and the ones he was in uh especially some of the later ones where he had already had his hand broken a couple times so he had those big squeaky (laughs) pads on his gloves Uh and dropped some f-bombs when he didn't (laughs) didn't hit the ball the way he wanted to uh so yeah, those are those are good memories. It's sort of, yeah, it, it's a relatable thing. I think more as like that childhood thing. And yeah. I actually, I didn't get to watch the last year's at all. So you know, if I tune in tonight, I'm curious to see sort of how the the bracket format flows. You know.
2: Yeah. Um, the downside of every home run derby, of course, is Chris Berman. Yeah. You know, he's just. He's a joke, and he's he's especially insufferable on nights like tonight, but that's okay. But we're not going to talk about the home run derby because the Mets don't have a single participant in it. What we are going to talk about is Matt Harvey. So last week when we recorded, Harvey had just gone to St. Louis to be examined. We didn't quite know what was going on. Well, we know now, and Matt Harvey is going to—he hasn't had the surgery yet, right?
0: As far as I know yeah no, it, not it's yet.
2: upcoming season ending surgery it's a four-month recovery for a thoracic outlet is it syndrome yes syndrome um, and uh, it involves having a rib removed which is something I only thought Marilyn Manson did in, in rumors from the 90s if we're talking about <laughs> stuff from the 90s uh no it's it's a it's a pretty it sounds like a pretty serious procedure even though the recovery rate is quite good from it in terms of overall health but it doesn't have a great track record for pitchers coming back as good as they were before going into it. So, you know, obviously this is a huge setback for the Mets, a huge setback for Matt Harvey. How much do you think this will affect the type of pitcher Matt Harvey is going to be in 2017 and beyond?
0: I'm actually fairly optimistic in that sense. I'm more concerned about what, how it affects the team in the short term. And I obviously fully understand his decision to have surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it it sounds like the earliest that we've heard it reported through Scott Boris that he felt the symptoms of this was spring training. So that sort of makes sense. Where you saw, and uh, Tim Finnegan wrote this uh, uh, wrote about it a couple times on the site uh, early in the season as Harvey wasn't dominating like he usually does. Right, uh, he. Pointed out how great his stuff was early in spring training Mm -hmm. and then how it changed. You know, and as the season's going along, I'm kind of going, okay, all right, you know, maybe just weird things over the course of spring training, Uh, not reading into it. And he wasn't making a medical diagnosis, but that's the time that we know that now that Harvey first started to feel that things were a little different. Right. I mean, based on performance alone in the playoffs, I don't, you know, I don't think anything was there. So if he's only been dealing with this and as a, as not a doctor here, um, hmm. but if he's only been dealing with it since uh, February, maybe mid-March, you know, somewhere around there, you know, I don't, I don't know how long it takes to develop and blossom, so to speak. Do we know at all what causes it? Uh, no, I, so in everything I've read about it and the kettle shot, um, as long as I'm referencing pieces on the site that I think are relevant here, if you want to dig into Harvey, um, that's not, that's not the phrase I was looking for as he goes in for surgery, but, uh, um, <laughs> uh, but he, he wrote about the syndrome itself. Um,
2: the reason I'm asking is because, you know, uh, Boris made a big deal, early in the season about how if Harvey's performance is suffering, it's because of the Mets overusing him last year. And I was wondering if there was any credence to the Mets use of Harvey possibly leading to this syndrome from all the reading I've done. It doesn't seem like that's the case, but I'm not quite certain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Boris himself sort of, you know, he said there's no way of knowing what, Affect, you know, the last year's workload has. So he didn't. He specifically didn't blame this on the workload last year, but it seems like one of the things. You know, you know just looking at what Kettle wrote, um, it's, you know, it seems like one of the things that, uh, like a bunch of other injuries. Uh, you know, just repeated heavy stress mm-hmm. on the shoulder neck that kind of thing, but uh, you know people can get it without being pitchers too of course uh but yeah it's sort of sort of vague so um
2: you mentioned earlier being more concerned about the state of the Mets this year, we had talked last week about how you know Harvey's performance of a guy with you know a mid four era wouldn't be as tough to replicate as his twenty fifteen or you know, 2013 performance, um, or 2012, rather, performance would be. So um, how worried are you about the Mets' ability to replace Harvey's production in the rotation?
0: So yeah, and in, in that mindset, right? You could just say, all right, slot somebody in. Harvey had a, what, 4.6-something ERA. You know, that's not that hard to replace, but losing out on what sort of looked like, okay, Maybe Matt Harvey's just had a bad half a season. That happens sometimes, you know. Um, So you you lose out on that hope that the regular Matt Harvey's going to come back and be a part of the team as they make a playoff push. And then if they make it, you know, you're looking at a very different rotation alignment. You Mm -hmm. know, given the status of the division, which still is not over, even though it's gone back in the wrong direction over the last few days going into the break. Uh, you know, if the wild card is the fallback, now you know, all right, in that wild card game, we have Syndergaard, DeGrom, Mats, Bartolo, and, you know, whoever the fifth guy is. But it's it's slightly less comforting to think of a one-game playoff where you don't have all of those base caliber pitchers available. That's all. So, yeah, I, I it's strange, you know, I never thought I'd come into the season wanting them to trade for a pitcher. You know, a (laughs) pitcher getting hurt wasn't really outlandish. That happens. But, but yeah, here we are, and I'm kind of like, hmm, you know, maybe maybe Rich Hill won't be astronomically expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: Is there anybody internally that you think – obviously, Verrett is handling it for right now. You're going to see probably Sean Gilmartin get a couple of starts. But is there anybody internally – you know, does a Rafael Montero or Robert Gazellman make any sense to you, or or do you think that those guys are are a different case altogether and the Mets should be going for somebody more established
0: for their uh replacement? Yeah, I think I think any of those guys could get a shot and they've had varying degrees of success or a lack thereof in the minors. Uh you know, Montero is still young enough and still came to baseball late. You know, it's kind of an interesting combination. Uh, that I'm, I'm not going to write off his whole career yet. But last year was just such a lost season for him, and then things just haven't gone well. Um, That's Las an Vegas, understatement. <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas sucks for pitchers. You know, it's it, it's the sort of thing where, you know, you, you, I wouldn't be shocked to see a guy get plucked out of there and put up a better ERA in the majors simply because the environment is just so much better for pitching you know, where he still might not be great. Uh, So, you know, having not seen and not really have, having had the ability to see much um, in terms of Las Vegas pitching, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of Montero in the short term, but any of those guys seem sort of interchangeable to me. And I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, uh, maybe Montero comes up and it clicks Suddenly, I, I think he's probably last on their list right now, guys, to come up. Maybe you know it comes up. Maybe Gazelman gets the shot. And, you know, I think these are guys who are more like Jacob deGrom in terms of their status, uh, their prospect status at this point in time. Right. Not their talent or anything like that, but just their, you know, oh, maybe this guy can be a major league starter. So, who knows? Maybe they roll the dice, try a couple starts. You know, I think we know what Verrett is at this point. Maybe try a couple starts with each of those other guys, uh, you know, between now and the trade deadline. But you really only have, like, two full turns through the rotation. Right. Maybe three before the the deadline itself hits. Um, So, yeah, that's where, you know, I – it doesn't rich hill is sort of the ideal like that's definitely the best pitcher of this trade market right now Mm -hmm. but but yeah just a major league guy and it's why you know i've looked around at rosters of bad teams and all that kind of thing and you know there's just not there's not a ton there um that's obvious but just a guy who you can go all right that's the fifth starter behind bartolo um you know, he, he he's passable. We can we can work with that. And then, you know, if you get back to the playoffs, then you know, Bartolo might be in the conversation as a starting pitcher depending on how the schedules go. Right.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I um Richel will be a nice addition. I I don't know what the Mets would have to give up to get him. And obviously, you know, you're pay- you're paying for half a season of a rental player. And you're not paying for half a season of Ioannis Cespedes. Right. If a guy's going to come in and make a huge difference. You know, Rich Hill's going to be a nice player, but I-, I don't know how much I would want to give up for a player of his stature. So, I, I don't know what the Mets do. Um, this is certainly a bummer. I think that this was, I don't want to say it, inevitable, that a Met pitcher... Would would get hurt this year, but I think all of us were expecting it. But for some reason, at this point in the year, this type of injury to Harvey just feels a little bit more deflating. Especially knowing that Syndergaard and Mats have their bone spur issues, and it just feels like the season is, you know, we're not, we're not. The season isn't over yet. I'm not one of those fans who's who's crying, uh, who's who's crying to tank it at this point, you know. But I do think that the season is dangerously close to to slipping away with one more injury or one more, uh, you know, just, just really, really poor stretch there. So I, I guess my, 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 long winded way of saying this is that if they can get Hill cheap, I like it. If not, I'm fine rolling the dice on one of the, the sort of quad a
0: guys in their system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so right now looking at the, looking at, the, the second half of the season, really. Um, it's, you know, I think Ahmed Rosario should be untouchable. You know, I, I I don't want him to be traded to try to just make this season work. Um, you know, pretty much anybody else in the system, um, I'd be okay with trading to improve the 2016 team. You know, ideally... You, you would trade Herrera?
2: Hmm... I wouldn't trade
0: Herrera. Yeah, I, I, I guess he's, I guess he's as close to untouchable. It, the only reason I say that I hesitate a little bit there is that I feel like, you know, a, a potentially very good second baseman isn't as hard to replace as a potentially very good shortstop. That's all. I agree. No, I, I think both of those guys are are maybe my only two untouchables in the system right now. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it depends on the context, right? If it was somebody who might be able to stick around for more than this season, that changes things. Yeah, uh, You know, it, it's funny. I've probably said it a bunch of times, but the, the transition and whatever Daniel Murphy's doing, uh, I don't even care anymore. But <laughs> the transition from Murphy to Walker to Herrera is, is, is like uh, it's kind of as textbook as it can get you know, you're gaining draft picks along the way without sacrificing a ton. And, you know, obviously Murphy's been really, really great for Washington. But, you know, you, frustratingly you're, developing so. a, you're developing a player and maintaining your level of competitiveness uh, and, you know, handing off from one to the next. It, it, it all makes perfect sense. So, I mean, of course, Murphy's played the way he's playing. I think that part of my hope, too, is just that I'm like, I know Harper hasn't been as good this year. He's still been good. Uh, you know, but is Wilson Ramos really this good after his LASIK surgery? Right. You know, is Murphy really this much better? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, Danny Espinosa hit 18 home runs in half a season. Like, what? <laughs> You know, so there there are things that I feel like have gone very very well for Washington. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they both teams approach the trade market. Yeah, um,
2: the idea of Washington getting better is a little bit scary. But you know, again, I I don't think that this is reason to panic just yet. But when I thought that Syndergaard and Cespedes both potentially had Serious injuries. I don't think there's anything that the Mets can do to come back from that. That would be yeah. too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, I was at that game. That was a interesting night to be at the ballpark. <laughs> but Cespedes, I'm not worried about. That sounds, I don't know. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, he might not be in the lineup the first game out of the break, but he might, you know, and the fact that that is the case. Uh, or that could be the case that's comforting Uh, you know, Syndergaard I'm just hoping everything he's saying is accurate. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he, they had their media day at the all-star game today and he still, you know, he's reiterating that there's no pain, you know, uh, he feels fine. They're not doing an MRI, uh, you know, so it's, I mean, I guess at this point, he's had an MRI recently enough that, without significant pain, if that is the case, then it maybe it doesn't make sense to do it, right? Because they just don't think there's any more information that they can gain. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm more concerned about him certainly, and he, you know, he'd be very, very, very hard to replace. But yeah, I. I I'll hold out until, until there's some worse news other than, like, hmm, that didn't look right. Huh. Right. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, we 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 had
2: an order we were going to talk about, but we've kind of been jumping all over the place. Other place yes. already. So, uh, <laughs> let's just quickly wrap up the first half. The team is tied for a playoff spot in the wild card right now. They are above five hundred. They're a little bit banged up, but. Nothing looks all that serious. Duda's return is somewhere on the horizon. Um,
0: how how are you feeling about the first half of the season? I think it was it was a good first half. Uh, there were a lot of enjoyable moments and games. We had another long winning streak in April. Uh, that it's always fun. I think those can get lost a little bit. You know, sixty games later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but that was a fun thing to have both last season and this season uh you know the performance health has certainly been the sort of the major thing this season right uh the performance of everybody has really been a pleasant surprise you know i i i thought Cespedes might be able to maintain being a really good hitter. He's exceeded my, you know, sort of high end expectations for what he could be, uh, you know, since he's come over to the Mets, his numbers are still ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, I think he's got 38 home runs in 137 games with, yep. with a good line, you know, I mean, he just, he's been a revelation. Uh, you know, Matt's and Cinder you know Matt's got bombed in his first outing, uh but other than that, you know he's been a little shakier lately, but you know these are guys who don't have long major league track records that you you know all right, this is what to expect from so and so in in a given major league season. um so the results have been encouraging from a lot of guys, obviously not with harvey uh, but those guys in particular, you know. June was kind of similar. Uh, the lineup was never nearly as bad this year as it was last year, but you know, you despite still have what a lot of people will tell you, yes, yeah. So that's sort of like general view stuff. There were a lot of really good games in the mix. Bartolo Colon hit a home run. He did. You know, so it's. I, I think the losing three or four to the Nationals going right into the break soured even a series split you know certainly a series win would have felt very very different but even a split could have changed the the mood going into this break a little bit because you know they just rolled over the Cubs took two out of three from the Marlins with a very exciting comeback as part of it and then they won the first game against the Nationals so you, you know at that point you're thinking all right get one more Right. Yeah, and and it would be four games instead of six, um, which isn't that big of a difference, but it sounds a whole lot better, you know. Um. So yeah, it's it's been weird. I, I think a lot of seasons end up being weird in, in ways you don't expect, but it's been it's been a very good first half, and you know, I understand if people are a little apprehensive about the second half.
2: Well, one of the things that I try and do when thinking about this is I try and take all the information and pretend it was presented to me up front. So if you say, okay, you're going to lose Duda and Wright for the majority of the first half. Wright's not coming back this season. You're going to have Darneau on the DL for a long time. You're going to have bone spurs for Syndergaard and Mats, and Harvey's going to need a season-ending surgery. You're going to end the first half tied for a wild-card spot. I'd take that. Yeah. You know, it, it, all that information taken at once, it's it can sound really depressing, but the Mets have hung in there, and they've gotten nice performances from guys like Walker and Cologne and, to a lesser degree, Flores and Cabrera. You know, there there have been some, some bright spots in this season, and I think that, you know, for Cespedes and Cindergard to get hurt on Friday night felt really rough, but they get a full week off to heal their heal themselves up a little bit. There's almost no better of a time for those guys to have gotten hurt than the day they got hurt. Uh, you know, is it a bummer they're not going to be in the All-Star game? Sure. Uh, especially, you know, it's nice to have more of a rooting interest than just rooting for the league that your team plays in. You know, I doubt we're going to see Cologne in the game. We may see Familia in the game, but there's not going to be a lot of Met action. And is that a bummer? Sure, that's a bummer, but it's not... To me, I would rather those guys sit out the All-Star game 100 times out of 100 and avoid a longer DL stint. You know, or a DL stint at all for, for Cespedes, you know. Um, so, I, f- I feel halfway decent about the first half of the season. I think that if, you know, we don't really have a big update on Duda. We don't really know when Zach Wheeler's coming back yet. I feel like if we had more concrete information about those two, I would feel a little bit better. But I'm not feeling too too terrible. But like I said, I feel like a big injury or a really you know a, a two or three week stretch of them just not hitting at all or getting blown out of the water. I think my optimism could start to, to shrink pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. I um, you know, You're... one of the, one of the downsides of the first half was just not uh, not beating up on clearly inferior teams you know the right. banged up Mets team is still better than the Braves Yeah, <laughs> um, you know so there's there's points in the schedule right, coming right out of the break they get you know uh, they start with the Phillies and then it's the Cubs you know who uh, you can't assume that they're going to do what they did to them again right. but obviously those are very different levels of competition uh, you know but Later in the month, they is – it, is it the next week or two weeks later that they have the Rockies at home for four? You know, they got swept in Colorado this year. Which is crazy. Yeah, it, it is. So, you know, it's just sort of
2: – They can make up some ground here. They can.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to uh, – you know, that things can go. And, I mean, it, strange things just happen in baseball where, you know, the exact – level of health and circumstances can line up perfectly that you beat the Cubs and look, <laughs> make them look terrible uh, yeah. over four games and, you know, and you lose three to the Braves and you look terrible. Um, the so nationals you- coming out of the break have three against the
2: pirates, three against the Dodgers, three against the Padres, two against the Indians and three against the giants. So, you know, the Mets could conceivably make up some ground there if the Pirates and the Giants and the Indians play up to the level they should be playing at. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, so it's... You know, there's... Ideally, Cespedes and Syndergaard are, are relatively okay. You know, either don't miss any time or only miss, like, a minimum DL stint. Um. You know, and then maybe you get due to back, or you you know, pick up a a role player of some sort. You know, whether it's in the bullpen or, you know, another position player. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sort of fortify the roster a little bit. You know, get get somebody on that level back, and take advantage of the schedule. And they still have some tough stretches coming up afterwards, but, you know, they July's not too bad. September's not too bad. Um, if they can be at
2: this spot that they're in right now at the end of August, I think we all have to be pretty happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally, we, you know, we'd want the division to be a little bit closer, but in a playoff spot, and as you said, considering everything they've dealt with, uh I mean, it's, it's an insane amount of injuries. It Even really Juan is. Ligaris, you know, who has been pretty damn good when he's played uh, in, in a very part-time role. Um, but he's looked like himself as a center fielder. You know, he's hit fairly well, certainly a lot better than last year. And even he, you know, had a DL stint. It wasn't a long one, and it was a little bit shorter probably than it would have been, except that they just <laughs> needed a guy. Well, he also uh, probably
2: should have been on the DL three four days before he was. So maybe it was, uh, Yeah. you know as long as it should have been, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing we're going to talk about tonight is the, the two players, the Mets are sent into the all-star game. Jay Reese, familia, a first time all-star and Bartolo Colon, a, is this is fourth all-star game, I believe. Uh, yep. That is correct. Uh, both great stories, both a lot of fun from a Mets perspective, you know, I think Familia has been just, you know, if you if you if you can compartmentalize the uh the world series out of it, I think that you're probably looking at a uh a team that you are pretty happy with. You know, I'm mean, sorry, a performance you're pretty happy with, you know. What is
0: it now? Is it 48 saves in a row? Uh in the regular season something like that? Yeah, sounds about right. Because it's what, it's 31 this year. Yeah. And then, let's see, the time-honored tradition of looking at baseball reference to answer questions <laughs> on the podcast. But just to go back and look and see in 2015 when the last time was that he blew one. Uh, yeah, it was last July. It, it was the, uh, the day before Wilmer Flores Day. Yeah, yeah, Yes, that's right. It was... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. He blew two uh, back-to-back days.
2: Yeah.
0: So, anyway, it's
2: been a lot of fun to watch Familia just be the dominant closer that I don't think any of us thought he could be initially. It's been so great to watch him uh, develop and just be, you know, just be such a fun player to watch and watching the split finger develop all that's been just such a great thing so i um yeah i definitely am excited to see familia hopefully get in the game and then cologne how can you not love cologne's story oh yeah
0: it it was one of those that like after that news broke it it was pure excitement that you know he was going to the all-star game and then except for certain members of the amazing avenue community well yeah i don't i don't get if you're a bartolo hater but even people who aren't bartolo haters you know i was seeing tweets like well you know he's like blah 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 blah, and this you know this metric i'm like oh good shut up he's
2: having an amazing season and he's 43 years old and he hit a home run and i love him like a family member
0: yes and you know the last start before the break for him was his worst and even with that he's he still comes into it with a 3.28 era that's still the 25th best among starting pitchers in baseball when you look at the number of starting pitchers that are on the rosters you know like i it was one of those moments where i'm like all right you know i i know there are other things to look at you know an era certainly isn't the only way to measure a pitcher but In terms of a record of what has happened so far this season, 43-year-old Bartolo Colon is in the top 25 still. Uh, And, you know, before that last start was significantly higher. I I think he had gotten up to 17th in those rankings. And I I only mention that because that decision on who, you know, on putting him in that spot might have been made before he made that last start. Right. But it's not like the guy's got like a 4.5 ERA and it's just, oh, here's the, you know, jolly old 43 year old. Right. He's had his best season as a Met and, you know, this. his manager is the manager of the team and he gets to do things like say, hey, you know what? I'm taking my guy. And you know, who knows if Cologne
2: plays another season? I, I know he said he wants to play another season, but, you know, if this is his last season, it's a great way to go out as an all star. Yeah. So you bring that guy out of the game.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I'm I'm uh, and I'm thrilled for him and uh yeah, it's it's good. And it's kind of cool, you know, you see some of the stuff today with Familia talking about Bartolo's influence on him. Mm-hmm. Um and he that's something Familia has brought up consistently and you know, as they've spent time together on the team. Uh so it's it's cool where you know, Familia is not 22, but he's still young. And so, you know, you have this sort of like maybe not father-son age gap, but like... Pretty close. Yeah, cl- yeah, close enough that it's, you know, it's it's cool to have that kind of thing and have those guys be successful, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's good for Uncle Bart. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, when we next speak, the break will be over. Hopefully we'll have some more Syndergaard and Cespedes news. And hopefully the Mets are starting their second half off right. So uh, enjoy the All-Star festivities, Chris. All right. Same to you.
3: Hello, Mets fans. This is Aaron York for Mason Avenue Audio. And we are at the All-Star break, which is normally a time for baseball writers and prognosticators and what have you to reflect on what has happened before the all-star break and predict what will happen after the all-star break and it's also a time to start talking about the trade deadline as trade talk is for sure going to heat up after the all-star break as we head closer and closer we're about three weeks away now from the august 1st trade deadline it's august 1st this year instead of july 31st because baseball knows that it will drum up more attention and create more media hype being on a Monday when people are at work and the rumors are going to fly around on Twitter than if it was Sunday and everyone would be at the pool or at the barbecue and the big news wouldn't be as big of a deal so it's going to happen on Monday August 1st this year and with the Mets heading into heading into the All-Star break with Losses in three out of four games to Washington. Of course, fans are going to want the team to improve at the All Star break. They're 47 and 41. They are, have a wild card spot right now, so it only makes sense for the Mets to make a push. We know that the window of contention. Well, we don't know how long the window of contention is, but we know that the Mets shouldn't waste it because we don't know how much money they have to spend on retaining their pitching staff. So the Mets have got to make a push. And before these past few weeks, we thought that the Mets would be making a trade for a bat like they did last year with Yoannis Cespedes. But it looks like that the team's biggest acquisition at the trade deadline could come from within, in their own system because Michael Conforto has been hitting the ball really well since he was demoted to AAA Las Vegas. He was struggling mightily at the major league level starting after his amazing April ended, so the Mets were getting two months of some pretty poor play from him, but he's looking good again at the minor league level. He's only struck out six times in 13 games, and he's hitting three forty, four eleven, five eighty. 580. That includes three home runs. He's not taking that many walks, but he's hitting the ball really hard, and he's really making his case for another quick promotion back into the major leagues. And that would probably result in the demotion of Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo has given the Mets a moment so far. He's come up with a couple big hits. He's hit his first major league home run, but overall he hasn't been that much more than we thought he would be. He's not hitting for much power. He's slugging just 318 He's taking a few walks, but he's striking out 25% of the time. That's way above his minor league rates. And for a guy who's going to be contact in line drives is what looks like he's going to do. 25% strikeouts is too much. And since he's not hitting for power, Nimmo looks like a guy who could still work out some things in Las Vegas, while Conforto hopefully carries his great play at AAA into the major leagues and we start seeing more of the guy that looked dominant in April. So that's one factor that could contribute to the Mets making a run at hopefully the first wild card spot or even the division title in the second half. And if Conforta comes back and starts playing well, that's one more reason for the Mets to trade for a pitcher instead of trading for a position player at the trade deadline. They've got some positions short up, Jose Reyes is hitting for power all of a sudden. He's looked decent enough to make a case, even though it's a small sample size. If he keeps playing like this, he can make a case for being the everyday shortstop. You also have Wilmore Flores playing well at third base. Azdrubal Cabrera and Neil Walker, although Walker hasn't played as well since April, it's hard to make an improvement at either of those positions up the middle. James Loney has been surprisingly stout at first base. And if Conforto comes back, your other outfielders, Curtis Granderson and Ioannis Cespedes, who should be back after his minor injury after the All-Star break, that's a really good hitting outfield, at least two out of those three spots. Granderson and Cespedes are two of your best offensive players. Behind the plate, Darneau has played really well since coming back from his injury. So what spot do you look look at? It's Logan Barrett pitching at a Mark, Matt Harvey spot. He had another pretty lousy start. His last time out on Saturday when he allowed five runs in six and two-thirds to Washington, he walked five batters in that game and only struck out three. His last few starts just haven't been very good. He looks better suited for the bullpen. And with Zach Wheeler not coming back as quickly as the Mets hoped from Tommy John surgery, and even if he does come back, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Frankly, his control wasn't even that good before he had the surgery, so that's a big question mark, and it's a big reason why the Mets should look into trading for a starting pitcher, especially with the bone bone spur incidents, even though Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard have pitched pretty well recently. The bone spurs in their elbows has to give you at least a little bit of pause, so The Mets, instead of looking for a bat, this trade deadline, at least as things stand now, they're going to be looking for a starting pitcher, and we might talk about some of those options next week or on the blog, but for now, I will leave you with that. I'm Aaron York. This has been my segment on Amazing Avenue Audio. Have a good all-star break, everyone.
1: Met fans, and welcome to the Weekly Stat. Apologies for our one-week hiatus. Had some technical difficulties, uh, a mic wire that refused to cooperate, but I procured a new microphone and we're back on track for this week and hopefully for the future. Uh, Recording this on Monday night after watching Giancarlo Stanton hit uh, about 483 home runs, each of which went... At least 483 feet. Uh, in reality, I think it was 61 home runs that went about 5 miles in aggregate. So it was a really stupendous performance from Giancarlo, and uh, evidence as to why he's one of the most fun players to watch in baseball, even if he does brutalize the Mets frequently. Um... Even this year when he was struggling, he comes in and hits four home runs in the series. But that's just how Mets versus Marlins games go. Anyway, that made me curious about how Mets have historically done in the home run derby. So, the derby's been going since 1985. there have been several format changes. Uh, One year was rained out. So, there have been 30 derbies. And and Mets has participated in seven separate home run derbies, so though it's only uh, five Met individual MET players have ever participated. The first MET, you could probably guess, was Daryl Strawberry in 1986. He hit four, and he was the uh, co-winner. Back then, there was only one round, so that's why it's only four home runs. Um, Howard Johnson appeared in 1989 and hit two. Uh, Strawberry again in 90, he hit 0, 91 was Hojo again, he hit 2, uh, none, of the, none of those three were any significant places. Uh, in 1993, Bobby Bonilla represented the Mets in the Derby and hit 5. In 2006, we had David Wright's uh, exciting performance where he went to the finals against Ryan Howard and lost, as I'm sure many of us remember. Uh, and then David Wright again in 2013, but he only hit five and was eliminated in the first round. So uh, the numbers don't stack up perfectly, like I said, because of the format changes. But it's also interesting to ask how the Mets stack up to the rest of the teams in the league. So per baseball reference, if we count the number of home runs hit by players from each team uh, in the 30 years of home run derbies we had... Uh, as you can probably guess, the Mets don't stack up so well. Uh, they actually rank uh, ranked 23rd in baseball with 38 home runs hit in the home run derby uh, since it began. They're not quite as horrendously awful as the Royals or Rays, who have 3 and 8 respectively. Uh, even the Pirates only have 12, because Bonds only made one appearance when he was on the Pirates. Um... So the Mets aren't quite that pathetic, but 23rd uh, certainly isn't a great rank. Just to give you some context, the Orioles rank first, they have 153 home runs, Brewer second with 133, that's mostly uh, Ryan Braun and uh, several years of Prince Fielder, Red Sox at 132 with plenty of contributions from David Ortiz and one monster perform- performance from Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, And then you have the Athletics at 125. Now, the Marlins actually ranked pretty lowly. They were um, low 20s prior to uh, Stanton's stupendous performance, but as we said at the Open, he blasted 61 uh, impressive home runs, each seemingly more ridiculous than the last, be it in terms of trajectory or distance or both. So in one night, uh, Stanton has almost double the number of home runs that any Met in the Home Run Derby has ever hit. And with with the Mets' current roster and our current farm, it's probably not reasonable to expect that uh, our ranking in terms of the Home Run Derby to change any time soon. Uh, Michael Conforto is probably our best hope, and maybe he figures it out someday and turns into that 30-homer type bat Uh, Or just winds up in the Home Run Derby somehow because it's not always the uh, power hitters you'd expect. But realistically, we're probably stuck at the bottom of the Home Run Derby totem pole for the foreseeable future, for however much that matters, which is not a lot. And that is your weekly stat.
4: good news is that we have no breaking news today. And the bad news is that's only because it's the ulcer break and nothing's happening right now. Um, that's a good start for us. I'm not here to tell you about all the horrible things that happened today. We had a few horrible things happen last week, notably of which Matt Harvey's done for the year with thoracic outlet syndrome. They don't know if he's going to come back healthy. They begin next year. They don't know when he's going to come back. They don't know how he's going to come back. They don't know if he's going to come back. I want is completely up in the air. Uh Sindergard left his start with couldn't feel his arm. That was a fun one. This little little surprise for everybody. And who knows right now logan verrett is your you know number five starter and i sat through his start at city field on saturday and logan verrett should not be the number five starter let's just put it that way i'm sure he's a nice enough kid he's pretty good out of the bullpen logan verrett should not be the number five starter other than that cespedes is hurting a bit set out the all-star game cologne is like the only healthy pitcher um, it's just everyone's hurt, everyone's damaged. This was exactly when you needed an all star break, everyone gets four days off. Go back fresh on Friday. They're still in it. I mean, they're tied for a second right now with the Marlins, they're six games behind the Nats. They're in they held or they're again tied for the second wild card. They're a game ahead of St. Louis, two and a half behind the Dodgers. I still believe in this team. They cannot compete with what they have right now. And the problem is that there are no trade chips. They've set Ahmed Rosario's off the table, which I'm completely fine with. You can't really trade your starting pitching because, as we've seen, you never trust a pitcher. And other than that, it's like Dilson Herrera and Dom Smith. Like, I don't know what they're bringing back. It's, it's not a whole lot, but they need something because... You're not running Logan for it out there as your number 5 starter for the next 14 starts. So, it could be worse technically. Not quite sure how. But, at least we've got a few more days off so everyone can magically heal and they can come back like a fresh, brand new team and hit 15 home runs a night and then we can complain about that too. So, see you guys all on Friday.
2: Well, folks, that does it for this truncated version of Amazing Avenue Audio. Thank you so much for listening. As always, find us on the internet at amazingavenue.com. You can find us on all relevant social media—Instagram, Twitter, Facebook—by searching Amazing Avenue. You can find your contributors on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Aaron is at APY five thousand. Lucas Vlahos is at El three four three. And Kate is at Kate E Feldman. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher in your podcatcher of choice. And until next time, let's go Mets. Less injuries, please.